So, yeah, welcome everybody. It's good to be here. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Elliot. I am our worship leader. And, uh, well, today I wasn't leading worship, but I am preaching. Um, so, but most of the time you know me as the guy up here playing every other instrument but the drum set. So, but yeah, today we're uh, going to be continuing on from uh, Pastor Nino talked about attitude last week, right? And uh, I kind of came, felt led to this sermon to kind of continue what he talked about last week. So uh, I even modeled my slides after the same color theme he did last week, if you remember. So, but cool. Let me take a drink of water and we'll get started. Indeed. <laughs> all right, so I need you all to close your eyes for a few seconds. Close your eyes. If I see any eyes open, Caleb. <laughs> all right, now I need you to imagine a trumpet fanfare. I was going to bring my trumpet and do it for you, but just imagine it. Imagine a trumpet fanfare, like something like that, right? All right, you got it in your head? Got it in your ears? All right, you can open your eyes now. Keep that in mind. We're going to move on. I'm not going to explain that, but we will, we will get there. So today we're going to be talking about the resurrection of us. What? The resurrection of us? <clears throat> so we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 15. If you've read 1 Corinthians 15 before, you know what I'm going to be talking about. If you've grown up in the church, you've probably heard about this topic. But we're going to go a little bit more in-depth than maybe you've heard before. Um, unfortunately, I can't go quite in-depth as I'd like to go, because then we'd be here for two hours, and I don't think anybody wants that. Most of all, me. I don't want to be here for two hours. So, 1 Corinthians 15. But first, I'm going to set the stage, because we're not going to read the whole chapter, because that would be way too long. Um, Paul starts off this chapter talking about Jesus' resurrection. And uh, he's using this section as a reminder of the reality of Christ's resurrection of as utmost importance to the gospel. It's central to the gospel. There's too many witnesses, um, including himself, for it to be not true. Like 500-some witnesses. And he uses the reality of Christ's resurrection as proof of our own resurrection from the dead. Now, there was many people uh, in the uh, Jewish people that some believe that we would be resurrected because that's what the, the uh, Old Testament talked about. But some also believe that it wouldn't be like the Sadducees. You know, they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. <clears throat> so, but he uses Christ's resurrection as proof of our own resurrection. If there is no resurrection at all, then Christ has not been raised, and what we believe is a lie. Faith is futile. However, because Christ has been raised, then we will be raised from the dead through his own resurrection and power. Now, Ball, Ball. good old Ball. I love Ball. <laughs> but Paul's big concern is with disembodied Christianity. Disembodied means separated. Basically, Christianity um, uh, in churches separated from the main part of the Christian uh, community, and even more so from the body of Christ. So, 
<clears throat> Let me pray, and then we can get more into it. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share your word. Help me to uh, represent it honestly and humbly. Um, but also, just pray that your spirit will be working in us today, helping us to learn your word and uh, learn about the hope that is there for us. And in, uh, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, a lot of what I talked about today comes from a man named Stanley Horton. If you know who Stanley Horton is, awesome. If you don't, don't worry about it. He's a great guy. Um, so in one of the commentaries I read for this, he has a study guide, uh, and he had three questions that he would ask for the study guide. So I didn't write them on the PowerPoint, I guess. Whoops. Um, let me just repeat these three questions for you. And while I'm talking today, I'll, I'll show you where the answers are. But while I'm talking today, just be thinking, thinking about them. The first one of those questions is why? Why will it remain necessary for us to have bodies after Jesus returns? Can't we just be some spirit ether and energy? Why will it remain necessary for us to have bodies? Number two, how? How will our resurrection by bodies be different from our current bodies, from our present bodies? And number three, for what purpose will God give us immortality in our resurrection bodies? So the why, how, and for what? So let's turn there. So 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35, I think. Yo, there it is. All right. So I'm going to read it in section, then we'll have a little bit of explanation, the more section, yada, yada, yada. So starting with verse 35. This is Paul speaking. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. All right, he starts off here with a great question. <clears throat> Maybe not great from his perspective, but many people have this question, right? You know, how are the dead raised? What kind of body are they going to have? Now, this is uh, obviously probably posed by somebody who's not familiar with the Christianity teachings from the Old Testament, <clears throat> nor familiar with anything, but he is uh, he's thinking ahead in this kind of question. So, he probably wasn't asked this specifically in this situation, but he's thinking ahead. You know, he's been talking about Christ's resurrection and our resurrection, and he's thinking ahead. This is the kind of question that somebody's going to ask. What kind of body will the dead have? So some background. In ancient Greek philosophy, it was believed that the soul is not of the body, and upon death that soul will be separated from the body forever. So Corinth, being a town in Greece, would have had a background in this kind of belief, right? And uh, so they didn't see a lot of reverence in the body. They kind of saw the body as a prison or at least a burden, something to be shed upon, like, just get rid of this when we die. We don't need it. <clears throat> However, our hope is not to escape our bodies, but to be raised as Jesus is raised, right? So Paul says, you fools. This is a snarky question. You're just trying to be snarky. <clears throat> And then he goes into this metaphor about seeds and plants. What comes to the front mind when you first think of a seed and a plant? Well, first of all, one's very small, one's very big, right? Uh, the next thing is, 
when you put a seed into the ground, do you expect a giant seed to come out of the ground? No, that'd be kind of odd. You have one little acorn you put in the ground, you have a giant acorn that's the size of a house. That'd be a little strange. <laughs> Instead, I got some pictures for you. Ooh, there's an acorn. What's the next picture? Ooh, that's not an acorn, that's a tree, right? What you put in the ground is not what you expect to come out of the ground with a seed. The seed has to die, and then some miraculous organic things happen, get some water, then it starts to sprout, get some sunlight, and that is eventually what it turns into, right? Ooh, next, next slide. Ooh, that's an apple seed, even smaller. What does that one turn into? Ooh, delicious apples. <laughs> and the next one. So this is one of my favorite trees. Anybody know what this is? Oh, 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 that's water. Oh, <laughs> yes. No. And no. It's a hemlock tree. You can go to the next. That's what a hemlock looks like. So hemlocks are very common out east where I'm from. If you've gone camping, Josiah, hemlocks are great. They're a good fire starter. If you don't have any paper, you don't have any fire starter, little dead hemlock branches have a natural oil in them, and they're really small, and they dry easily, and they're usually found underneath the tree, so they're already dry even if it's raining. So if you want to start a fire in the woods, go find a hemlock tree. Anyways, seeds and their trees. Our current body is a seed. Do we expect our body to be the same in the future as it is now? If it's a seed, as Paul is saying here, and a seed turns into a different a plant, that's not a seed anymore, right? Then our bodies are going to be different than now. And God has given us, as it says here in the passage, a body as he has chosen. Each of your bodies currently right now is because God gave you that body. All right, let's move on. Verse 39. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star and glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. Man, God has created a bunch of different types of things in the universe, right? Not just things, but even just within the uh, animal kingdom, so many different variety of things he's created. And incountable. And the bodies of the universe are created to so, to so what? They're created to show the glory of God. <clears throat> so we can see this next picture. I have a nice picture of stars and trees. God's creation is beautiful, isn't it? So just as each star shows a different glory, and each animal shows a different glory of God, Paul says here, so it will be with our resurrection. We will all, we already show the glory of God, but even more so, we will show the glory of God. <clears throat> but in different ways. You know, we're already quite a bit of variety, 
But I think even in our resurrection, I think what Paul's saying is we're going to even be more varied then, more unique then, than we are now. And we're super unique. I mean, I love things that most of y'all don't think would be likable. It's the kinds of music I like, man. Mm-mm. Our bodies won't just be different from each other. They will be unique, even more unique than now. And this kind of gives us our question of our first question. Why will it remain necessary for us to have bodies after Jesus returns? <clears throat> this passage right here is talking about how body, our bodies, God's creation shows glory, right? Shows God's glory. We need a body for the full expression of what God created us to be. If we're just when we're resurrected and we're just spirit, we're not be able to cap- capably represent God's glory. We need a body. Our bodies are members of Christ himself right now, but also temples of the Holy Spirit. Not only will there be a new heaven, there will also be a new earth. And if there's a new earth, we need a physical body to inhabit this new physical earth. And in that place, we will live and worship and glorify God in, right? So we need a body. If we don't have a body, we are not able to fully live out our lives as God wants us to. Let's move on. So what is sown is perishable, and what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from heaven, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. This kind of answers a little bit of our second question, right? How will our resurrection bodies be different from our current bodies? So, and he does this in a nice, succinct way. Contrast. We all love contrast, right? You know, those little Venn diagrams where you have this over here, this over here, and the same is in the middle, right? Well, this isn't a Venn diagram, but I came up with a little diagram. Ooh, our current bodies versus our future bodies. Perishable versus imperishable. Dishonor versus glory. Weakness versus power. Natural versus spiritual. And then the last bit, like post-fall Adam or like resurrected Jesus. So, let's think about this for a second. Perishable versus imperishable. Our current bodies, because of the fall, are intended to perish. We're intended to die. However, our future bodies are designed to live forever, to not perish, to not die. No sickness, no death, no decay. Right? In about one month and three days, I turn 30. I I join the, from your perspective... I'm not going to be old, but from your perspective as a student, I'm one of the old people once I turn 30. <clears throat> and 
my body has decided it's getting old. My knees don't like me anymore. My wrists don't like me anymore. My back doesn't like me anymore. My eyes don't like me anymore. It's fun. It's real fun. Not. I have injuries from two, three years ago that still haunt me. Man, it's, it's rough. And for those of you that are nearing 40 or more, <laughs> I can only sympathize because it's just going to get worse from here on out. So enjoy your 20-year-old body while you have it, or younger or slightly older, because it ain't going to be, I mean, there's definitely, you got to take care of your body. There's part of the reasons why I have problems is definitely a lack of interest in pursuing health. Um, and I can, I can make it go a little better with some small effort. But regardless, take care of your bodies now. Enjoy it now. It, as you get older, it gets fun. <clears throat> Dishonor versus glory. Because of sin, our natural bodies live in dishonor. Of course, Jesus' blood covers our sin, and we are no longer seen as dishonorable by God, right? But our spiritual bodies won't be. They will be from glory. They will live in glory. Our current bodies are corruptible, right? Our new bodies will be incorruptible incapable of sin. The next one is weakness versus power. Our current bodies are weak. We are limited by natural means. We can only run so fast. Sure, the next person comes along and we'll be a little bit faster. The next person comes along, we'll be a little bit faster. A cheetah is always going to beat us. We're never going to beat a cheetah. As fast and amazing and as many steroids as you want to take, you ain't going to beat a cheetah. That's because the cheetah, cheetah was designed to run fast, and we were designed to run long and far. <clears throat> Fun fact, humans are the longest running animal in the world. We can outrun any other living being. You have to train for it, but your whole life for it. <clears throat> I don't know of any other animal that runs for 100 miles at a time. It doesn't stop. Other animals decide that sleeping and eating is also good. <laughs> we like to punish ourselves. Anyways, <laughs> our current bodies, we seem strong sometimes, but we are weak. When uh, nature runs its course, <clears throat> we realize our frailty. However, I don't think our future bodies will be like superheroes. We're not going to be flying around like crazy things. However, there's going to be some limitations that we have now, mostly, that we won't have then. The main limitation is going to be that we aren't God. And God's going to give us a body of power. Things that we're going to be capable of then, that we won't even be able to dream of now. Um, a good example of what that body looks like is, we'll look at this a little bit, is Jesus. After he's resurrected. I mean... <laughs> He's not a spiritual body. He's physical. People touched him. They hugged him. He ate physical food. He also walked through walls. So there's that. <clears throat> it gives you a hint at what's going to be happening. Anyways, power. We will, the main power that we will have more than anything is we will fully be able to walk in worship and praising of our God without any part of us holding us back. Isn't that amazing? Natural versus spiritual. And this gets spicy. 
So there's this phrase, first comes our natural body, then comes our spiritual body, which kind of makes sense. You know, you're born, and then you die, and then you get your spiritual body. But part of the reason he is saying this, many religions, uh, and uh, actually the Mormons believe this as well, that we are spirit first before we get bound by flesh. Now, of course, we get bound by flesh at conception and then birth. But Paul is correcting his thinking that we exist before conception. When God creates us, not only is our physical body created, but that is when we are created, our soul and our spirit as well. We are first natural before we are spiritual beings. And of course, the natural progression, we have physical bodies that are natural bodies, then we will have physical, spiritual bodies next, right? <clears throat> so, the, what is a spiritual body? Most of us, when we read that, we think we're just going to pop out of the ground like a ghost and have a body of ether. Um, however, he doesn't say we're going to have a spiritual spectral form. He says we're going to have a spiritual body. Right? A body is still a body. So obviously, the spiritual part is not, doesn't mean its form. It instead means the kind of body we're going to have. And this is where I was going to say we're going to look at uh, Jesus' body. Of course, like I said, he hugged and touched. He ate food. He also walked through walls and some other wild things. Uh, another person pointed out when he raised from the dead, his wrappings, he rose through his wrappings. His wrappings were still on his bench. He didn't, like, raise up and then undress himself from the wrappings and then put some clothes on. He rose up through the wrappings. <clears throat> So let's contrast a natural body really quick versus a spiritual body. A natural body has natural will and reason, a tool for our natural self, a body that can and is controlled by fleshly things. So we have to literally submit to the spirit, right, to, to not be controlled by our flesh. It's also suited for natural earthly living, our current earth. And the Bible says we're from the dust. A spiritual body, instead of being a tool for our natural self, is a tool for our spirit, is not bound by our fleshly will. It will no longer struggle with our bad inclination for sin. It's suited for spiritual living in heaven and on the new earth. It's from heaven, and it's going to be a body that is best pleased, sorry, best suited for pleasing God. We are going to have a body that is best suited for pleasing God. Now, this bunch, big old section about Adam, I kind of already hinted at it already. We have a body... Right now, that's like Adam after the fall, and we will like Christ. I really liked how the New Living Translation says this, because it says it a little bit more succinctly and easier to understand than um, maybe what, I think I have the NIV or the ESV here, I'm not remember, but the NLT says this, Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. You get So hopefully this helps give you an idea what our current bodies are like and what our future 
resurrection bodies are going to be like. So let's talk about what they will not be like really quick. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of somebody resurrected from the dead? Mmm, the zombie. Ooh. <laughs> I didn't want to show, like, the Walking Dead type of zombie because I figured there'd be people under the age of 18 here that didn't want to see that. So we found a cartoon. And maybe over the 18 that don't want to see that. <clears throat> so I found a cartoon zombie. But this is what we think of in our popular culture, right? When we think of being people being raised from the dead, Night of the Living Dead. Uh, I was part of a brass band back in uh, uh, New York and when I was in high school and early college. They are still going, and they're having a concert like tonight or tomorrow night at a venue back in Ithaca. And it's good. I think their whole theme is Night of the Living, uh, the Undead Brass or the Unliving Brass. I can't remember exactly. But they're all dressing up as zombies and playing music. It sounds like a blast. <clears throat> However, one of the ways we can think about this is reconstitution or reanimation. And this is not what our resurrection bodies are going to be like. God is not going to go into the grave, take all the dust, and put it back together again and reanimate you. Right? We're not going to be zombies. We're not going to be Frankenstein's monster. <clears throat> and this comes to think about, you know, do we, does our physical body need to remain intact for us to have a new body? Now, some people do believe that. Uh, I don't think... That is the case. If you get eaten by an animal and pooped out, your body's not intact, God's going to still give you a new body, right? Thank goodness. Um, and this, this comes to question the, the question of cremation. Uh, and now I'm not going to go really big into this because it's a big question. Um, but the Bible does not explicitly forbid cremation. However, the pattern set through the Bible is that burial of human remains intact. Um, you know, our body is still our body even after we die. And uh, the cultures that typically value cremation are oftentimes cultures that place no or little value on the physical body. Uh, but our body has value. It's part of our image of God. It is also the temple of the Holy Spirit. So there's, there's some respect that needs to be treated with, right? Like I said, though, however, God will give us a new body regardless of the state of our burial. Bodies naturally decay. Some people have died in ways where their body isn't intact. Our body does not need to be intact for God to give us a new body. So, sum that all up, creation will not prevent you from getting a new body. However, it is not the practice that is exemplified by scripture and history in the church. Any more questions? Come talk to me or talk to Nino in like three weeks, because that's when he'll be back here. But we're going to move on to the last couple of sections all right, verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, the twinkle of an eye, the last trumpet. Remember the fanfare, trumpet fanfare I had you guys imagine? For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. So right here he's saying flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, right? Our current bodies are not designed to inherit the kingdom of God. A perishable body cannot continue into a place that it wasn't designed for. And then Paul calls this next bit a mystery. So 
It says, you know, all, not all shall sleep, but all shall be changed. So what he's referring to here, sleeping refers to not snoozing. We all love snoozing, but he's not talking about snoozing. He's talking about the saints who are already dead. Uh, those who are believers, um, Daniel 12, 2 says, The multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. <clears throat> so when it's saying not all will sleep, what it's referring to is not all will be dead when Jesus returns. But he says, but all will be changed. And this word changed is really amazing, right? If you have your Bible, underline that, that word changed. Regardless of if we are already dead or still living, we will all be changed. When Jesus returns, we will all be given new bodies. And of course, we here means all those who have been saved. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the state of the those who are not believers will be here. Uh, of course, they will be sent to, to hell. The Bible teaches that. Whether they are given new bodies sent to hell or what, I'm not sure. Talk to Chris. <laughs> That's not part of this passage, so I didn't study that. So, However, then it also says instantaneous. There's going to be a trumpet sound. Whether that's going to be a literal, audible trumpet sound or a figurative, I'm not sure. I think and hope it will be a literal one. It's going to be sweet to hear this trumpet fanfare that the whole, like the whole earth is like, from trumpets. That would be awesome. But this is a trumpet that calls us home. So one of the reasons why I had you guys imagine a trumpet fanfare was this, of course, but when we think of a trumpet fanfare, we usually think of it as something where somebody is entering or somebody is being called into, right? Kind of like a church bell. A church bell calls you into church, right? <clears throat> and this made me think of something, which is from uh, our good old man, C.S. Lewis. From the blast battle. You can put up the next slide. Ooh, there it is. So... There's this uh, part at the end of the last battle where the main characters have passed away and uh, there's a unicorn, yes, a unicorn, who says this, I have come home at last. This is my real country. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. Come further up and further in. And uh, when I think about when the trumpet sounds, and we are changed and given new bodies. This is what kind of I think it's going to be like. We're going to be going to Jesus and running after Jesus, right? Going farther up into what he has for us and farther into who he is. And so when we are called by the last trumpet and our bodies are changed, we're not going to be thinking about the past life. We're going to be thinking about the future life, just like Jewel, the unicorn, was thinking about Aslan. Let's move on. 53, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul goes further. Not only will we be changed, we must be changed, right? Just like we said. Our current body must put on and be, or be clothed with the future body. Only then, on that final day, will the prophecy from Isaiah 25, 8, 
death is swallowed up in victory, come to pass. <clears throat> and of course, we will be changed to be like the glorified nature of Jesus' body. Um, so this gives us a hint, at least, at, for what purpose God will give us immortal resurrection bodies, right? Um, Why is my, sorry, my notes are weird wording. Um, to live with them forever, right? We need an immortal body. We need a body that doesn't perish. To exist in the new earth, we need to have bodies suited for living there, right? And if we want a new heaven and a new earth to remain good, then we need to have bodies that are incorruptible. Our bodies will be perfect instrument and to enable us to respond to the Holy Spirit. We must be changed for these, right? And only then, when all things are changed, our bodies, will these things come through. Now, Paul is, of course, referring to the Old Testament scriptures, but he's also, it's a little bit of a celebration, right? We had a pretty big celebration last night when Michigan beat little brother, right? Go blue. Well, this is Paul's even louder cheer, oh, death. Where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? And then, of course, he said this thing where the, the power of uh, sin is death. Sorry, the power, what does he say? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, right? But then he says, but God gives us victory. Now, when I was reading this passage, a couple things came to my mind. First, um, it's not says he will give us the victory then. He says he gives us victory, right? He also gives us victory now. And so this is kind of where I wanted to wrap things up, and um, we'll have one more verse to talk about, but I wanted to wrap things up a little bit and bring it back to attitude, right? So the victory that has to be done and is being done and will be done is only because of God, right? Thanks. To God, we have a hope for eternity with our Lord and with bodies like his. Uh, and then Stanley Horton said, uh, helped to explain this a little bit. He says, the present tense of give the victory means he's giving the victory now. He will keep on giving the victory as we keep on trusting him and fighting the battle against sin and evil. Um, and then I think I, I have a slide about this, don't I? Oh, there it is. Yes. Okay. So... Um, for the believer to live as Christ uh, and to die as gain, death can only mean gain in our relationship with Christ, more of him. Death will also bring a rest, literally a ceasing of earthly labors and suffering as we enter into glory. So what, what he's saying here is victory is not our only future reality, but it's also our current reality. Right? And then we go to verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in Lord, your labor is not in vain. So he says these things. Be steadfast, immovable. Some uh, uh, synonyms I came up with. Being steady, holding true, not swaying. Not swaying like a tree. What does that remind you of? Psalm 1, right? Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and those whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. I think they have a painting of that, right? Be steadfast and immovable. Be like the tree. 
meditate and delight in the Lord. Meditate on his law. And then it says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. The NLT says, working enthusiastically. Abounding also means very plentiful, abundant, right? Let's keep our work for the Lord abundant. Let's keep it enthusiastic. Now, that can be hard. I'm not the most enthusiastic person in the world. Sometimes I can be grumpy and have a bad attitude, right? Well, remember last week, let's have a good attitude, right? And so sometimes we need to put on a good attitude, even when we have a bad attitude, and choose to be having a good attitude, even though we don't feel like it. And uh, do you guys remember what Nino said last week about this? He had a phrase that he said. Anybody remember? Hmm? Hmm? Camera? Yes. Yes, you develop what you focus on. What you set your heart on becomes your reality. This reminded me of another scripture, which I put up there, I think, on the slide. Yes, 2 Corinthians 14, 16 through 18. This is one of my, if not my favorite, scripture in the Bible. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though we are out, outwardly, we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. We need to focus on the unseen, not the seen. Um, Part of what I was thinking about with this, and almost as an application, is basically how do we clothe ourselves in immortality now? We are, have physical perishable bodies. Our bodies are going to die. Sorry to break it to you. Unless you get lucky and Jesus returns while you're still living, your body's going to die. However, our spiritual part of our, who we are is designed to be immortal, right? And even though we aren't going to be able to transform into our, our future bodies now, we can, if I could do that now, I would. Let's just put it that way. But we aren't. But we can focus on our spiritual selves, the part of us that is immortal, right? We need to feed our spirit before we meet our mind and our bodies. Now, feeding your body, taking care of your body, feeding your mind, taking care of your mind are extremely important. Extremely important. However, taking care of your spirit is even more important. Feed your spirit. And, uh, yeah, so I have a couple of things that I wanted to say, but I'm running out of time, so I'm just going to try to keep it. What, is, what does Nino say? Keep it. Be bold. Yes, be brief, be brilliant, be gone. I'm trying to be brief and brilliant and gone so I don't linger. Anyways, there's one last quote that I had, also from C.S. Lewis. And this is the attitude that I want us to be reminded of today. There are far, far better things ahead than anything we leave behind. Our current life, there's some really great things about it, but there's also some real crappy things about it. But in the future life with Christ, when we have our new bodies, new ER, if we have died in Christ, we will be raised from the dead and given a new body, or we will be changed, one or the other. Things are going to be far, far better. Not one far, two fars. And honestly, you could probably have infinite fars and it wouldn't explain 
how much better it's going to be then. So that's the attitude I want to go home with today. Um, so let's do that. And let me pray. Band, I think, can come back up. We're going to be singing a song that refers to this. So, Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for the hope we have for the future, God. Just as we're, there's so many things we hope for that will come to pass. You know, we hope this movie's going to be good. We hope this event's going to be good. Some of us have, who haven't gotten married are hoping for a great marriage. Some of us, are, those of us who are married, remember what that's like. But God, there's a bigger hope than any of our hopes here. And that is when you return in our life with you. And so help us to put our minds on that today. Help us to focus that this week. And help us to just live fixing our eyes on what is unseen, not what is seen. And Lord, just be moving in our hearts. And in Jesus' name.